usually I have fighters, coaches, managers, agents, you know, on the show. But today I feel like this man, I need to get him on because he's the first doctor that uh, <laughs> official doctor, a real doctor, you know, and uh, Jason Park, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm excited to pick your brain on a, a number of topics. Okay, let's have it. I'm happy to be here. First thing is um, working with uh, combat athletes. Where did uh -huh. that all start? Well, I was a combat athlete myself. Yeah. So I started off when I was younger as a child doing Taekwondo, doing state competitions here in California. And around the age of 15, I wanted to kind of expand my martial arts experience. And so a few mentors drove me towards boxing and Muay Thai. I was very lucky to always have really good coaches around me. So I started here in Hermosa Beach, California with Brian Popejoy, um, starting my Muay Thai and boxing career there at Boxing Works, um, where now you see Janet Todd, Jackie Buntan fighting on one championship and also Nathan Ward fighting on glory. So, you know, this was way back in 2002 that I switched over at the age of 15 to starting boxing and Muay Thai. When I went to college in, in Philadelphia, you know, it was a big culture change from California, right? Philadelphia is a very different um, city than Los Angeles. And I wanted to get back to, back to some type of roots that I felt comfortable. So I started going out to boxing and Muay Thai gyms out, out there while going to university. And um, since then, it just started competing, started training in Thailand, fighting in Thailand, coming back. And uh, eventually, I had a career-ending injury at 25, where I tore my retina in my right eye. Um, had three surgeries for that, and then decided that's probably the time to call it quits for myself. Uh, luckily enough, I was already in grad graduate school for my doctorate of physical therapy at U USC. Um, and one of my amateur fighters called me when he was making his pro kickboxing and Muay Thai debut and asked me to start coaching him for Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Um, and so that's what transitioned me to starting to coach professional fighters from the amateur fighters I had before. In the East Coast, Cool Hearts Muay Thai? Is that, is yes, that the gym? Yes, that's correct. And yes, talk about that place. What does, what does that place, what does that place mean to you? I mean, it means a lot because, you know, Boxing Works is my roots and Cool Hearts is where I had to express myself outside of my comfort zone. I was in a different town, surrounded by different faces. Um, and so it really forced me to come out of my shell and to actually start fighting out there on the East Coast, you know, away from my hometown, away from all my friends at home. Um, so I definitely have a strong connection there because it was such a formative time. You know, I had to step out on my own. Um, so, so much so that when I returned back to Los Angeles after Thailand, like it allowed me to be very comfortable with myself, very confident and to be able to express myself across the world. Does that have any connection to uh, Cool Heart's performance or Cool Heart performance? Yes. Yeah, so uh, my company, my physical therapy and strength and conditioning company, Cool Heart Performance, is it's a derivative of that name of Cool Hearts Muay Thai. It's a homage to crew Rigel Balsamico. And, you know, the term Cool Heart is a Thai phrase called Jayen. Jai is heart. Yen means cool. So you'll often hear parents say Jayen Yen to their children. 
I heard that plenty of times in my fights where I got excited. I hurt them. And I wanted to go for a knockout very excitedly. They're like, Jayan, yeah, like, calm down. You know, look for the right timing. Don't force it. Don't get yourself in a position where you can be exploited and taken advantage of. Um, so, you know, that's that's a philosophy that I really took to heart. You know, whether it's being angry, sad, uh, happy, excited, it's to just temper yourself so that you can stay focused on your goal. And so we took that whole mindset that I learned starting fighting at Kohart's Muay Thai, and we brought that idea into Kohart Performance so that our athletes um, have all of their worries, their concerns, whether it's physical, you know, with any injuries, any points of prehab, or their strength and conditioning, that they know that their body is sound, their mind is trained, and then they can focus on the task at hand. You grew up on the West Coast. You went over yes. to the East Coast. Completely different because I also lived on both coasts growing up. So I understand yes. that the different aspects and the different types of people there. But then you went after all of that, went to Thailand. How much did that change you as a person living in Thailand after growing up most of your life in the U.S.? You know, that's why I have such a strong affinity to sport and to martial arts. So martial arts was my connection to sport. I think one of the most beautiful things about sports, and especially in combat sports, is that we have a connection between other athletes because we've gone through strife together. We know how hard it is to train, to prepare ourselves for competitions, and especially in fighting, that there is a mutual respect there. And one of the beauties of that is that it allowed me to talk with people of different creeds, different socioeconomic classes, even when we don't share the same language, but we share the love for fighting. So it changed me as a person because I got to experience people from all walks of life and to be able to call them my friends. And, you know, to have that by the age of 25 is such a head start in life. And it's something that I still enjoy every day. You've been working with so many athletes throughout the years and some massive, massive names. But who were some of the athletes that were just physically, when you worked with them, physically so gifted, not so not so much successful, but gifted? I mean, you know, one of the great things of um, my career was I was formed, I was very lucky. Every gym that I ran into from the very beginning had a strong pedigree. So, you know, I started with Brian Popejoy at Boxing Works, um, you know, when he was really coming into his own as a coach. He was a young coach, you know, trained several professional fighters, um, competed himself. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be in that second and third generation with him. And that was the first gym I just found, luckily, in my local area. And I just walked in the door. Right. And same thing in Philadelphia, finding Cool Hearts Muay Thai. And remember, this is back in 2004. The UFC wasn't big. The Ultimate Fighter didn't come out. So even though Muay Thai was a strong industry relatively in Los Angeles, and, and that's nothing compared to now, when we went to the East Coast, especially in Philadelphia, there were a few gyms that practiced Muay Thai. Um, there was a strong boxing component, but not as much in Muay Thai and in MMA. So I was lucky to find another great training camp out there. Also, I mean... The first place I learned jiu-jitsu was on the East Coast. 
and the fighter there who is training everyone was Wilson Hayes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how lucky can you get? Yeah. Right. That on the West Coast and on the East Coast that um, I had these resources available to me, you know. And then even in Thailand, you know, we found our own ways. I always found a way to connect with great gyms, great managers, and build social relationships so that I can see and learn from the very best. Um, and coming back to Los Angeles, it led to the same thing at Black House, which you can't get any better of a starting ground to learn how to coach than the athletes at Black House. So, you know, every one of my athletes uh, to this day, I have to be very thankful for because I got to learn with the very best and the most talented fighters. Um, I've been very lucky. So a How number you... of those fighters, like, for instance, uh, Jake Poss was my first fighter. He got to get the WBC National Muay Thai title. Um, my first two MMA fighters out of Black House was James Muntasri and Khalil Roundtree, both who are phenomenal athletes. James Muntasri, you know, was competing for the U.S. national uh, or the Olympic team in Taekwondo before he transitioned to MMA. So you can already see he had Olympic pedigree. Khalil Roundtree is a physical beast. <laughs> and I got to see him right after his pro debut. So it's those two fighters just alone is just the cream of the crop. And then everyone else after that, Altair Alankar, Adele Altamimi, who's now on Bellator, um, Anderson Silva, Brian Ortega. I'm, I've been very blessed with um, the top fighters, Shema Moraes, who I actually got to see nine years ago fight Lertzilla, who is one of the best you have, uh, the best Muay Thai champions to ever come out of Thailand. Uh, and now getting to see him in the UFC. Uh, um, so, you know, everyone I've been able to work with has just been the cream of the crop. I've been very blessed. Yeah, those are some crazy, crazy names right there. Uh, Black yeah. House MMA. How did you connect with them originally? Well, you know, it's it's like I get this question quite a lot about how, how did I come to the place that I am now? And, you know, with anything else in life, it comes with a lot of rejection, a lot of mm. lucky breaks and just being prepared for the right moment. But knowing um, deep down what you're striving for. So, you know. It's always been a dream of mine to work closely with Anderson Silva. He was a huge influence on my life. I remember to this day when I first picked up uh, a DVD from Japanese market here. You know, I was a big fan of K1 back in the day and, and then Pride after that. Um, but this is like in the early K1 days, I came across a DVD um, from Shuto. I think this is 2001. And this was because I, I couldn't get enough K1. And I asked the storekeeper, is there anything else like this? He said, there's some professional wrestling. Pride was just kind of starting to get into its own. But he's like, there's this organization called Shuto. So I said, okay, I'll pick up the DVD, came home. And that's when I first saw Anderson Silva when he fought his first title fight outside of Brazil against Hayato Sakurai. And seeing that performance, I knew who Hayato Sakurai was. But seeing that performance by Anderson, you know, it made me follow him through Pride, through Cage Rage, and into the UFC. So for me, he was a formative, formative influence on my career. 
I remember going to Thailand in 2008. I said, I have to learn how to develop my clinch the way I saw him do it in cage rage. And then, of course, what we saw with Rich Franklin. So uh, it's always been a dream to work with the fighters at Black House. And I remember coming back at the age of 22, 23 from Thailand that, you know, I, I mailed a letter to Black House, to the managers there with Ed Soros and Anderson Silva to see if I could become, you know, not necessarily a coach, but a paddler and just be around that environment. And of course, at that time, I'm nobody. I didn't hear anything back. Um, but it just led me to continue to develop myself, start training amateur fighters within Boxing Works. And then when the opportunity called and I had the opportunity to work with a few fighters at Black House, you know, I was ready. And then taking each of those um, opportunities and doing the best job I could. So I always tell people like it's a, it's, you're going to face rejection. You're going to face people who aren't going to recognize you because you haven't accomplished anything yet. But be ready. And when those lucky breaks happen, those introductions happen, make sure that you shine. Wow. Now, um, what was I going to go back to? Oh, t Anderson Silva, he actually, I believe he, he started out with Taekwondo, just like yes. yourself. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that is a generational thing, right? Mm. Um, when I was... Uh, when I was starting, I was a kid. Muay Thai was not that well known. It's still, it's getting better now, but it was not your first martial art. Same thing with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now kids are starting Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Before there was just karate, wrestling, maybe judo. Uh, so I think with anything else, that's where everyone in that generation of Muay Thai, they had to learn Taekwondo or karate before, and. It just became a natural progression. Now you see people in, in fighting that those martial arts are coming into vogue in the UFC, in glory, in one. You see spin kicks coming all over the place. So it's an advantage now. <laughs> you also, you know, you're a coach there, but you are the physical therapist for Anderson Silva. How did that all line up together? Well, you know, it's just incidental. You know, for me, um, I always kind of thought to catch up with an athlete like Anderson, a legend in the sport, it would be as a physical therapist first because I'm much younger. I'm, I'm 33 now. He's turning 45 this year. You know, I'm behind him generationally. So if I was going to be able to help him, it would be in sports medicine more than anything else. But, you know, life is, is crazy like that. So... The first call I got from him was, was as a Muay Thai coach. And when injuries occurred, I just offered whatever I could. And um, just having a deeper relationship, I'm offering my, my services as someone who can help him there. So it just became a natural fit. And to be honest, it's not something that I engineered in that way. Typically, when I work with a professional athlete, I usually like to work in one of my roles, which is either as a skills coach, as a striking coach, or as a strength conditioning coach, or as a sports medicine staff. So for for Anderson, it's just kind of a, a special merging of roles. Yeah, it's a perfect example of what you said earlier. Is always be ready. Always be ready. Yes. And you were ready, and, and you slid in at the perfect time when he needed you, and now it's 
you guys are making a, a you guys are continuing this great relationship yeah and you know it's i always believe in a team-based environment you know i i look at the benefit for me being a physical therapist being a strength and conditioning coach being a skills coach is that i have the ability to communicate with other people on the staff that people who are just in one role wouldn't have that vocabulary to do so you know like i know what is required from my athlete on the strength side i know what's required on the skill side and the intensity that's inside the sport but i also know what's going on inside their body and i really look at myself as someone who can um analyze their movement from three different angles and to be able to work with other people on the team is is anderson recovering from an injury i, I think i heard that somewhere no no he no. you know he he's completely healthy now you know he's really just uh been busy with some business aspirations and uh uh things outside of the ring and you know this whole coronavirus thing is yeah. you know pushing everything back a little bit further definitely yeah so he's completely healthy you know you mentioned earlier you do have fight experience and uh but there's a lot of trainers out there coaching fighters without that experience what are your thoughts on that subject what do you mean can you clarify that question a little bit more like coaches that don't have fight experience coaching fighters you know it's historically been the case that there have always been coaches Mm -hmm. at the very top of the game even that never had fight experience. I think it just requires a deeper level of empathy and a deeper level of introspection of that coach to be able to take themselves into the fire without having tasted it themselves in the ring. Um, And, you know, the best fighters don't necessarily mean that you're going to be the best teacher. Uh, One thing that you're starting to see a lot with coaching is that they're becoming less of a teacher and they're being much more of a just a skills coach, just mm-hmm. teaching them moves, and that's it. And one of the things that I learned very early on, and continue to do so now from my mentors, is that you know what I'm teaching them through their martial arts is a connection to their life philosophy as well. It's a, you have to be a good teacher, so that requires a deep level of empathy and the deep ability to reflect so if uh, if someone has that ability it just requires more of that to become a coach or a fight coach without fight experience you're you're a unique case in that you can get bring the skills coaching and the skills and then you have the strength and conditioning and then you have the physical therapy I, i don't believe there's anybody out there that that does all three of those do you know anybody else I'm not sure if there are many in the striking community, mm-hmm. but I do know several jiu-jitsu coaches who, you know, I'm not sure if there's, you know, necessarily a doctor of physical therapy, um, but definitely people who are strength, great strength and conditioning coaches who, who dabble in, in prehabilitation as well as being a phenomenal jiu-jitsu coach. And just seeing how excited um, new physical therapists coming out into the field are and having more and more experience in competition. I actually know one here in Southern California who is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitor actively uh, himself and a doctor of physical therapy. So I think that's going to be the trend. You know, the beauty of those three roles is that for me, it's just the expression of human movement. 
right? It's just looking at it from slightly different lenses. So while a lot of people look at them as three very distinct roles, for me, it's just one. Yeah. Now, there, I want to ask you a couple, about a couple of fighters that you've worked with in the past. Uh, Khalil Roundtree is one that sticks out in my mind as mm-hmm. uh, a guy that transformed his style somewhat. But you've known him since the beginning. You know, a lot of, you know, remember yes. that performance that he had against Eric Anders where everybody's like, oh, yes. that's uh, Bangkok ready Khalil. Uh, yes. Just how powerful is Khalil? Because, you know, you see him hit the pads and, and knock guys out. You You probably know the best. Yeah, I mean. I, th- I think Khalil Roundtree and uh, and Alex Pereira or th- and Cosmo Alexander are definitely some of the most powerful athletes that I've had the chance and the honor to work with. Um, Khalil's extremely strong. <laughs> I felt like I had a strong bench day every time I had to hold pads for him. And and yeah, you know, to be honest, one of the joys of professional, uh, like coaching professional athletes, especially in professional fighting is the ability to see them through their career. And I think that's the greatest privilege. You know, coaches come and go, right? We're all, you know, one of my friends, Alex Palmer, who trained uh, Tiffany Van Sos, Glory World Champion, gave me the advice long ago saying, "You're if you attach yourself to a person's journey and you say that you have to belong the whole way and you think their life's journey is your life's journey, you're going to be filled with disappointment. You know, you have to know what your role is. Your role is to help them in the place that they are to be able to propel them in their career. And sometimes they may continue to need you. Maybe they'll need you later in the future. Um, But it's just to know that your role is to continue to help people. Um, And so having that ability and now being, having done this for about eight years, coaching professional fighters, like it's been, amazing to watch people's careers kind of flourish and grow and see where they're going after all these years a prospects that i seen you recently with is uh the twin dragons john and yes and josh wang kim you know i'm excited about them because i've been following them for a while now um what can you what, what can we expect from those guys i think you're going to see quite a lot they have um quite a varied experience of how to strike, how to um, compete with their jiu-jitsu, with the wrestling. Um, they're very well-rounded. It's uh, very unique. And, you know, I, I look at it as I've been blessed with a lot of fighters with, you know, who come from Taekwondo backgrounds, you know, strong fighters, Muay Thai backgrounds, kickboxing backgrounds, uh, boxing backgrounds. And to be able to merge them in into one person is very rare. I've seen it with um, only a few fighters, and Josh and John both have it. Like, it took everything of my experience to be able to anticipate and see what they can do. Um, you're going to see some very exciting things out of those two. All right, Jason, thank you so much for the time. and uh, and My uh, pleasure. Keep safe, and, and I know the, the virus is is going around, but I believe that it will be over in the next couple of weeks. Uh, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be something that can be controlled? You know, I think it's something that's going to be controlled, but it's very important for all of us to do our part, even though, and I don't say this lightly, like this is going to cause a lot of economic turmoil for a lot of people. You know, even for us, like we're not seeing our professional athletes that 
we normally expect to always be running, no matter what disasters happen. You know, even with 9-11, professional sports still went on after a few days and returned to New York after a few weeks. But, you know, this is something unprecedented that we haven't seen since, like, World War II, World War I, where movie productions are shut down, banks are being shut down, uh, professional athletes aren't training. Right. We're all told to stay at home. And I think it's for the right reasons, because of what we've seen overseas in Italy and what we also saw with the great results in Asia. And so uh, looking at what happened in South Korea, Japan, Taiwan, Singapore, how long it took for that to be under control. I think it's going to be a couple months at least in the States uh, for everything to kind of come back under control. So we all have to do our part and make sure that we come out safely.